Hey, Labor Wave listeners, we're providing you here a special clip from Election Night. Labor Wave hosted a group hangout for easing election anxiety through playing games and conversation with comrades. This clip is a portion of the night where we talked about anarchist orientations to electoral politics and voting and all the pablum and claptrap and nonsense that happens every four years where everywhere and anywhere all you can talk about is the shallow political imagination of state politics where the only options presented us is whether to abstain or participate in a technical voting moment. So we hope you enjoy this conversation on anarchist easing election anxiety. Before we did this live stream, Andrew and I shared a couple of articles, media content back and forth around the whole conversation on voting, because that's all we could talk about for the last year, it seems like, is what is our position on voting? And I really like this piece that I read in Black Rose Anarchist Federation. Short piece. I don't know if you got a chance to look at that, Andrea. But I did. It was it was nice. It was very it was very succinct and it like presented both points very well. Yeah. So the person who just went by Cameron, uh, a labor unionist, talked about how a lot of anarchists, like writing as an anarchist, take on the position that the way to participate in electoral politics is just to abstain. So don't vote abstentionism that's the strategy that's the position uh but he argued that this is really just kind of on the same moral logic as like liberals that say like you must vote or else it's your fault anything that happens in this country and this writer was just saying like this is just the inverse of the same logic because what it assumes is that voting therefore means that we have consented to be governed uh, which is a liberal political foundational idea is like the consent of the governed and by abstaining we're not therefore granting permission and giving our consent to be governed but he's saying like this is actually a moral claim it's not really a tactical or strategic claim and it's it actually falls into the same liberal trap he ends up kind of like taking a cop out i think by just saying like vote or not whatever the bigger thing <laughs> like he doesn't really take a position on it except to like highlight how claiming that abstaining from voting is somehow like the right thing to do is really just a form of liberalism uh, but then does suggest like the real strategy and priority needs to be building unions tenant unions like assemblies neighborhood associations and so forth which is a pretty typical anarchist line one that i also agree with i think <laughs> unions are like sources of power that we can build the other one was the contrapoints video that andrea shared with me on voting which was a much more stylistic and uh, elaborate kind of articulation about why voting for this round against specifically against trump was like the decision that the uh, content creator took yeah and uh i think one of my favorite parts of it is just noting that so much of it is also cultural, right? Like it is a vote against a culture of violence and outright unhinged sort of blatant bigotry that has a washed a wave of and energized a lot of white nationalists and a bunch of other stuff. And if you're in a swing state, 
no one is ever like moral purism makes no sense. And a lot of the people who do advocate for like voting legitimizes the state, ergo, even if you're in a state like Kansas, where it's between tens of thousands of votes, don't vote because it means nothing. And she talks about how when she was working for Obama, she encountered so many people going door to door, working nurses, teachers, just regular people doing that work. And if leftists really want to put the whole like voting as irrelevant, you know, you should abstain sort of thing, like why isn't she getting canvassed by leftists and community organizations? Like sure, a lot of people are, but a lot of the voices do come from the Twitter mob and she was specifically responding to that. And also another 4K Nolos Dose, like work very hard in the next four years. But ultimately, this moral thing that takes a couple hours without voter suppression, much longer with voter suppression, is one day out of four. And if you're in a swing state, do it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that actually the thing about Twitter that she was talking about was the thing that like stuck with me the most. Because, so I haven't lived in a swing state my whole life. Now I all of a sudden do. And it turns out it's a really important one. So I was like, great, I guess I better fucking vote for Biden. <laughs> Plug my nose and do it. And not feel very good. But, you know, I do a lot of other things. So it's not like the only thing I do. But what she talked about with Twitter that I thought was super interesting was that, I didn't know this statistic, 22% of the population uses Twitter. So like a pretty small population of people use it. And then of that population of people, only 2% are the ones that are actively creating content on Twitter. Because Twitter is content created by the users themselves by posting, sharing, having profiles. And apparently the majority of people on Twitter just like things and retweet, but they're not actually creating content. Only 2% of them do. So that means that the Twitter echo chamber is such an incredibly small sliver of the population. And then within that 2%, she even brings it down more to like, how many of these are leftists? It's like even more of a sliver of the population. So I, I appreciate it that she, you know, whatever she has to say about voting is one thing, but pointing out that like, you got to get out of your bubbles and your echo chambers and start talking to people wherever you're at, your neighborhoods and stuff, and trying to find out how they think politically, whether they put it in the terms that you would put it in or not, is a really important and crucial point. I just think it's something that I think we all do. But when I look at Twitter and I see some of the like kind of hot takes and the really absolutist stance that some people like on leftist Twitter take, it's like I get the impression that they've never talked to anybody outside of their little affinity group or they don't really do a lot of like active organizing to take on such purist positions. It's like a rebranded puritanism, right? Like, like I think in my perspective, there's a lot of good elements, but there is a dangerous tendency for anyone, regardless of the political spectrum, to still be influenced by some of the foundational elements of our culture, which is moral puritanism, policing, cop and punitive mentalities, carceral logic. And I think some of this goes along with that, right? Like the right has a moral purity standard to reify the state, like literally evangelical Christianity posits that obeying is like a Christian prerogative, the government in that the government is there by God or like whatever. 
right? And like, there's also this moral puritanism of like argument that voting is immoral, therefore engaging in that action means you are not pure leftist, ergo do better instead of allowing for, I don't know, like I see you voting and I'm not, I don't know. There's just a, a tendency for that. I have seen very few of the like, moral purity argument from the like far left that are saying I'm not voting and you shouldn't either because it's a uh, broken system that's not meant for me it's more of the like sticking to that major anarchist idea that the means are the end and like why would you participate in a system that is perpetuating the violence right but I there's this person Momo who was actually at that anarchist camp that Alex was talking about in Worcester both times, the times that we were there. And they wrote a really cool thing on Facebook that was kind of like talking to both audiences, talking to their their radical leftist friends and then talking to progressive people. And I don't know, one thing that kind of stuck out for me that they mentioned was voting for better organizing conditions. So it's like, especially in this election, like voting against Trump, even though Biden is still a piece of shit, will at least provide us like better organizing conditions so we don't have to work so hard so that we're not like fighting fascism to its extreme that it is right now so i don't know i thought that was pretty compelling for maybe leftists who aren't you know who are still kind of like well i'm not voting but then still making that point to progressives liberals whatever to say like we can't spend all this energy that we do right like right now like that is this is the major energy suck of the majority of people. And and I think you mentioned, I'm not sure what your point was, Andrea, about um, not being canvassed by like anarchists to say like, don't vote, but it's like, we literally don't have the money to like pay people to go canvass for that. So I mean, like that's why. Otherwise- That would be an interesting well, campaign. I, I never got paid for canvassing for Bernie Sanders, right? Uh, but like there is an infrastructure, but I think it, it was a point that the Twitter activism isn't necessarily as, like working people aren't engaged. Like, I think that was more of what she was saying was like, she's never seen as much unpaid labor and energy going into like helping out some of those people or organizing that, which I don't know, that was just her perspective. I, I, I see so much stuff happening where we are that like, absolutely, I feel like leftists are doing a whole lot of good. Oh yeah, and I actually think, I, I honestly, my impression is that a lot of leftists are probably helping Biden get elected a lot more than some of these um, liberals that want to scold them for not doing enough or saying anything critical. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I think that a lot of them are organizing and even people that take on anarchist positions. Cause I agree, like, you know, the conditions of organizing matter. Uh, we lost the Supreme court for decades to come. Uh, that's a big blow. And, you know, for me, I am organizing and, unions and the state completely determines and like circumscribes the conditions upon which we organize like you we will lose every single court case granting recognition for unions because that's the paradigm that we're under is like the mainstream labor movement believes that the goal is to get a contract which means you have to get legal recognition which means you have to have somewhat neutral to friendly courts to be willing to even recognize your unions and the uh authority of elections for unions. Uh, this NLRB that Trump's elected is not doing that. And if he's around for another four years, it's going to be way worse.
I personally think we need to stop trying to battle on the state's terrain and say, fuck recognition. We just act like a union and do something about it. But uh, I'm one little person in this big machine (laughs) of mainstream unions. There's no way they're breaking out of this mold anytime soon. Maybe. Maybe if he gets elected, they will. They have no choice but to be a little bit more ungovernable. And I will say I'm, I'm pretty open about how I vote. I've never voted for a Republican or a Democrat for president in my life. So I definitely do catch flack from that from people near and dear to me. So I will. I will say that I did vote for Gloria Lariva, the Socialist uh, and Liberation Party candidate this year, and I voted Socialist Party USA the past two other ones, and I abstained from only the presidential part in 2008. But I will say I always vote every election I can, especially in Oregon where it's really easy, especially down ballot. I've just never lived in a swing state, and so for me, I've I've been able to take what I felt like is uh, one of those like political stance positions for president. So, you know, I think there's also like some good flexibility uh depending on where you are it's like it's like strategy you know so i apologize to the to the biden or i don't apologize to anyone i just i i I hope that that is a respected uh position and that that's okay that i i vote vote for the socialists just for my own heart well we're not going to cancel you I think it comes back to the Emma Goldman position. I mean, the Emma, uh, Emma Goldman's classic essay on women's suffrage was really interesting because it was really more about state politics because women's suffrage was like this particularly topical issue that there was so much that had to be discussed. Her position was like, fuck this. We shouldn't try to expand the powers of the state. We don't need the state to recognize our right to vote. We shouldn't even be trying to pressure the state to expand voting suffrage for everybody because we should be actually trying to destroy the state and capitalism. And I think that actually a lot of that essay, if we go back to it now, turns out that she's pretty correct in my view. Her main fear was that if you start funneling all this energy and all this organizing and activity into expanding state powers for recognition, what you will do is concede the political imagination to the state and you will not be able to get out of that cage. And I think that is totally true today. Like there is almost an impossibility of operating and organizing outside the powers of the state today. There is no outside of the state. It's more expansive. The legislative powers reach further. The labor unions have been totally subsumed by the state. Anarchists can't even like organize a lot of their projects outside of state powers and bureaucracies too. It's like you have to confront the state at some level, whether it's through bureaucracy, nonprofits, whatever. It's totally taken over. And in some ways, you could say Emma Goldman was right, but I think we lost that moment. You know, that was like a missed opportunity. Early 20th century, the state wasn't as powerful then. Now it's way more powerful. The state is not like shrinking like people think it is. It's actually gaining more and more power every day. So I understand the anarchist and, you know, I count myself amongst anarchists concern about Biden getting elected because it does legitimize the centrist Democrat position. And the fear that I have is like, he'll win. And then they'll say, therefore, we should never have progressive socialists or anything that's like smacking of leftism at all. And fuck Bernie Sanders and all of the people that follow in his footsteps. And it's like, it's totally going to be 
the the position that the Biden administration takes is to delegitimize leftist politics through their victory. And, and David Graeber uh, posed that centrism is actually the most radical of all views, right? That there is a radical centrism, which is always vehemently anti-leftist, fleetingly anti-right-wing, and is so set on the status quo and of no change that that is one of the most radical positions. There's no policy proposal of radical centrism. There is, there is nothing except for no change. And when the Overton window for sure is no change versus radical alt-right winning, I mean, you know, a bit of plus or minus, like the QAnon U.S. House of Representative candidate in Georgia just won. Omar also won a second term. I think Omar is definitely on the not radical center window. But, you know, when the radical center becomes Joe Biden, right, that that's its own sort of thing to organize around that at least for sure, like other people said, is not advocating for far right things. But it is a radical center that is still not gravy. I was going to say one argument that I heard towards like Joe Biden getting elected for like anarchist purposes is that if if Trump like tries to seize victory or tries to, you know, like still assume power, it'll kind of it would kind of hopefully show like the majority of people that the whole thing is theater anyway. You know, like if if Trump is able to force himself in or try to force himself in or whatever, like it would be nice if like people realized, I guess, through that, that the state is like bullshit anyway. Also, I was going to say that uh, me and my friends are joking around that the Hollywood biopic for Emma Goldman is going to portray her as like the like secret leader of the women's suffrage movement. That's just our, what we expect. <laughs>